Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Chepe and the Alpha Slayers Club have an AMA. And this is it. And let's take a listen. All right, so I'm going to play kind of the complete idiot because I have little to no clue of what you guys have produced and what you're doing. So, like, we'll start super novice, I guess, if that's okay. Yes, that's totally fine. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to know what we're doing. Uh, that's that's what we're here for. So yeah. and we can tell you, and then we can also talk about macro stuff, which you might be more expert in. Just to kind of get me up to speed here, but you guys are doing NFTs on which platforms at this point? All right, no. So let me uh, start off, maybe. So we are one of the first nft projects on cadena at the moment so we decided about half a year ago and within january february to start an nft project on cadena and we both have a background in the in the terra eco space and also on solana a little bit in the nft space and as well on ethereum so for us as listeners Many of your faces are super, super familiar. And like, we've joined a lot of your spaces back in the days when Terra was still going wild. And nowadays, we are working on our own NFT projects. So what has brought us to that decision was uh, that we were uh, investing into small cap projects, uh, pre-IDO projects, and that on several different ecosystems. Uh, we were also big in the in the gaming space, uh, metaverse space, but we were quickly realizing that we definitely losing oversight where to invest our money, and also like time wise didn't didn't really have the resources to do all the research in all different ecosystems, and that's how we came up with the idea to kind of do like a crowdsourced research platform on early early stage projects and also pre-IDO phase uh, projects and we thought what's like the best way to construct it can we can we combine it with like nft project or should we rather go for like a, a platform and maybe do like token based project and we decided to do like an nft pro- um, based project because we thought it's it's cool if you're part of a community that you can show to the outside that you're like part of this community and so we decided to combine the entire thing with like awesome art that everyone who's in the community can actually show it off and people from the outside also get interested and this whole hype around the project is going to be created and now we have been building this community for about yeah four or five maybe six months and like in the beginning it was a bit slower and there was still like 
much more going on there nowadays in the ecosystem. And now we're very close to our launch date, but it's in about six days. And then we're going to launch on Hypercent, which is the biggest launch pad in the Kadena ecosystem. And we're going to be the first NFT project launching over them. And beforehand, there has been so, two different token projects launching over Hypercent, and we're going to be the first NFT project launching. So let me see if I got this right. So, like, uh, you guys find your skill set to be kind of analyzing crypto space projects, um, sort of like what maybe a Delphi Digital or maybe like, um, I don't know, like uh, Masari or somebody like that on a large scale. So, you guys are trying to create a like group of analysts and people who like to share kind of alpha and all, uh, hence the name alpha slayers. And I guess the NFT is kind of like a membership card, um, for this. Um, is that, am I getting that right? Exactly. So in the end, we want to make that, uh, like a token, token gated access, uh, platform and, now, nowadays, we will do it uh, just on Discord, but in the long term, we also think about using different different platforms for it. And we combine that entire thing with doing our own crypto podcast. So we've started a, a YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago, and so far I've uh, interviewed 15 different project founders, and mainly in the Kadena ecosystem, but also uh, spread out among like different different ecosystems and also went into the professional space so i i would say the delphi digital is probably like a crypto fund that is more on the very professional side and they also have a lot more funds to deal with right and we are like a community based project so we are not going to invest other people's money but we are there to kind of get the deal flow going and get information on early stage projects. And we feel that a lot of people in the in the crypto community, and I think that's also something you probably realized, have very like little knowledge about investments in general and also on how to analyze a project regarding like the team behind it, the tokenomics. And like each of those are very complex topics itself. And a lot of people just go with the flow of what they see on Twitter and don't really take a deeper look into each of the projects. And that's kind of the base idea behind it. So you're thinking of like creating maybe some kind of uh, like dashboard or ranking system of like stuff that you like, or are you trying to do maybe um, trying to get people sort of like early access to IDOs or something like that? Or like what's the vision here? Okay. Um, the the initial idea was to get analysts from different ecosystems into one Discord, and that way have like a way broader perspective on the entire crypto space, and also get the chance to get into early stage projects on different chains. Because like you, as an individual, you don't have the chance to actually track everything that's going on on different chains. For example, we've been active in the Terra community and. When I was doing like research on the on the projects that we are starting off there, I didn't really have the time to look into what's going on in the DeFi space on Ethereum. But even even though that might interest me, you don't really get the 
the deep insight and a broad overview of like what the projects there are about. So we wanted to create this platform where these analysts actually bring or come up with a with an analysis of of one of the projects that they're looking at, and then they can share it with the community. And inside our Discord, we have an kind of like a incentive scheme where we incentivize people to actually provide research on on like a small cap project, and then other people can have a look at their research and evaluate their research and say, okay, this is this is very helpful because A, B, and C. And I chose to reward you with like 20, 20 of my 100 token that I have, have to give away within one month. Or they say, okay, I, I think you did like a good job on, on that part, on, on analyzing the project, but you kind of miss that the tokenomics are like super inflationary and there's like a huge risk to, to early investors by being completely diluted. And yeah, that's kind of what we're trying to do. So to kind of like help people figure out like timing and when unlocks happen and all that shit to kind of uh, provide that sort of insight so you don't get wrecked, basically. Exactly. And that's that's kind of what we saw with a lot of projects on, on different chains, to, even during the bull market where, yeah, especially unexperienced investor investors get get wrecked because they don't know like how like a token launch works they don't even know what to look for when to look at a team who founded the project and what they've like maybe do a background check on them see what what kind of experience that they have in the to- uh, in the in the crypto space and yeah and that that way evaluate a project and see if it's like a Super yeah. high risk investments, which is probably super likely if you're if you're in the crypto space. But even even then, you can do some risk mit- mitigation and do a lot of hedging. And for example, what we do in our podcast is like, we've we've interviewed two two bigger crypto funds that kind of like shared their like, uh, approach to analyzing a project before they actually decide to invest in it or do some even some market neutral strategies because there's lots of lots of different different ways of hedging hedging all the risks that are, that are going on there that are way beyond what any amateur investor does but which definitely helps to understand what what kind of risks you're looking for and what can happen if you invest into a project yeah so uh ava had her hand up she's a, a neurobiology phd she's kind of like crypto newbie um ava do you have any questions about what this like platform might be able to do for you uh yes it sounds uh, very interesting uh, and the analyst uh, based approach so far is uh is very interesting too uh i actually had a question about the uh, design of the nfts uh, it's very uh, unique who came? Uh, who was the artist for this? Uh, who came up with the little bunnies? And could I customize my my own bunny into like a, a purple or pink sparkly bunny? Because I I, uh, I invest in NFTs based on uh, aesthetics. To be honest, above all, did you factor this in at all? Yes, definitely. We definitely think that that is also like important part about an NFT project that the art looks awesome and everyone actually likes what they what kind of nft they're holding it's 
we ultimately come up with a with a co collection of 1500 nfts and i can also like post some examples into into the comment section here mm -hmm. and yeah we thought uh, we thought a lot about what kind of features work together how you can create like a have like this overall general view of an awesome nft collection so like that no individual nft kind of like falls out to to the bottom and is and people think it's super ugly but one thing that we do and guarantee to people is that we buy back the nfts if they listed under mint price that way we kind of give the early investors the chance to have zero financial risk in terms of investing into our nft because we're convinced that people are going going to like it because we spend a lot of time actually designing them and seeing that they all fitting together but that is also uh, only the opportunity for early investors so the ones who invest at mint date and they always have the chance to get it back and that in that way we also like the deflationary nft collection if you can put it that way because what we do when we buy it back from from the mid proceeds is that basically that is money that we didn't collect as a as a project in the end because we have to have to pay back the early investor and burn that nft but the positive thing about it is that in the end like the nfts that nobody likes they're out of the collection and that way we create like a more sustainable way of yeah finding the optimal number and also the optimal quality of the entire collection cool um jim uh did you have a question um uh, jim actually i think um i think i'll let addy speak because in these spaces they're usually quite male dominated so I think it's better if some girls speak for once. It'd be nice. Okay. Addy, go ahead. That's so nice. Thank you so much, Jim. Um, I was just wondering, I'm kind of new to this space. What is an NFT? Right. Thanks for your question. So an NFT. Or oh, Anna, do you want want to answer that question if you if you're even there? Yeah, you should. Sure, sure yeah. <laughs> um, I, I hope that was so a serious can... question. Um, so an NFT is essentially a um, record on a blockchain, um, and so what you can what you can see all over this space actually is all these uh, images essentially, and uh, so these images are attached to these records. Now, what makes this special, like these records special, is that um they like each of these records have their own unique identifier so um you can actually uh, i mean it's, it's not just about the picture but you can actually reference it back to that specific um piece so what what this all does is it turns this digital record into into a thing uh, literally into into an object that you can carry around that you can have that you can store in your wallet now, why would why would you do this? Sort of like a sort of like a membership number on like a membership card, right? I'm, I have an additional follow up. I'm a little bit confused. You said it's a record on a blockchain. What is a blockchain? Is that like building blocks? Okay, uh, I'm not sure if this is a serious question. Um, 
Yeah, Addie, that's, uh, no, kind, of being, a, that's kind of a being, bit basic for uh, this discussion. Exactly. Please let me finish. I'm being serious. I'm just new to this space. I think it's a little, I don't know, do you guys not, not welcome women that want to get into Web3? Yeah, I don't think that this is a question here. Uh, so, sorry, this is uh, clearly not what, what you're shooting for. Uh, we, we love to have more women around, but uh, I think we've got lots of people in this room who know really well what's going on. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, so we'll real quick, um, if I'm I want to buy. I'm, I'm leaving and I'm reporting the space. Addy, don't do that. What, what are you talking about? Listen, um, so if I want to buy, um, if I want to buy uh, this NFT, so I would go use which wallet at this point? Um, are we using like Flux Wallet or um, like Chainweaver? What, what do you guys recommend? Like as if you if people haven't gotten into Cadena yet, like what would be the like newbie thing to do? Sure. So um, yeah, the, so maybe one one information uh, before that. So we've got uh, we're working with a launchpad called Hypercent. Um, and uh, so they're basically managing the whole process for us, uh, which is which is fantastic. <laughs> so the whole mint goes through them. Um, and wallet-wise, you have two different options. Uh, you can either go with uh, the wallet that they have created on their website. Um, and uh, the other option would be to use um, X wallet. And X wallet is one of the, uh, or is the wallet that's been created by one of the DEXs called Kedex. Yeah, so, so there's a little bit of uh, framing around this whole thing. Uh, so th those are the two options. Uh, both work equally well. So uh, you grab your wallet, you grab uh, Cadena on an exchange, which is KDA. You head over to Hypercent, and the NFTs are available right now, or is it, are they coming out soon? No, they're coming up. So um, we currently have the registration open, um, which is not relevant for you if you don't have a whitelist spot uh, but if you do then you can basically register your wallet uh with them on the hypercent website it's um, hypercent.io and um minting is going to start on the 10th um we actually have three different rounds um so uh, i think the first round is, is taking place from the 10th uh till 11th um then we've got another day of um whitelist mints and uh, then finally we are going to have the um, the public mint, right? So um, it's it's all pretty much happening uh, during this uh, week, starting next uh, starting next Monday, uh, and we've got all the dates uh, posted posted everywhere. So if you don't have a whitelist, uh, then you're only eligible for round three. Uh, but that's when, like, basically the public start uh, stuff starts. Okay, cool. Yeah, Midas here, uh, who's up here, has um, had his own NFT project. He's he was building on Terra. Uh, he uh, had kind of a, a some projects that were happening, um, so has a little bit of expertise in this area. Um, like Midas, do you have any kind of questions about this? I know, like maybe uh, some people might be interested in like joining as kind of an analyst, in the sense that like as a contributor uh, is like how would like let's say Midas wanted to get involved with something like that. What would he have to do? So, um, I mean, one way is to, to just, just get involved, um, just basically um, trigger these discussions. Um, but if, you, like, if you're actually serious about it, then what I would recommend is that you get in touch with one of us directly. So either Kingslayer or 
uh, real Yeti or, or just post to this um, to this uh, general account here. Um, and uh, yeah, then then we can then we can figure out the details uh, and um, yeah, basically take them from there. Um, and just so you know, I mean this uh, this whole. This whole uh, procedure is uh, basically a moving target, right? And so, I mean, of course, right now we're not necessarily in the most exciting, uh, exciting phase of, uh, of of crypto, right? If you just look at it from like a uh, like a variation standpoint, um, but but we actually do think that there's interesting stuff coming out all the time. So, uh, especially if you have a particular angle at a certain ecosystem, then then we are super happy to happy to chat, right? Because as uh, Kingsley was saying earlier, there is only so much that you can that you can cover, and uh, so we're actually looking for people that are deeply rooted within maybe one or two ecosystems, and that certainly doesn't have to be Cardano, right? But uh, we're super happy to teach you everything you need to know about Cardano <laughs> as in the, uh, as, as you go. Um, anything at least, the, everything that you that you're gonna need for this. For a while, there was some discussion, like by Stuart and others, about possibly implementing kind of ibc um for cadena um it seems like your particular project like makes sense as kind of a cross-chain application um have you guys heard anything more about ibc for that and also like uh maybe that's a way to kind of create the ability to buy your nfts cross-chain maybe yeah i think this is uh so, so it's it's not something that is happening right now, um, but it's it's definitely coming. Um, but uh, I don't think that there's uh, there's a specific timeline on this yet. Um, so at the moment, uh, I mean, we we really have to face that. Uh, I think the NFT space on Cadena is still in its infancy. Um, and for those of you who have heard of Malolite, uh, which is their Basically, the equivalent to an ERC seven twenty one standard, uh, except with a few extra bells and whistles. Um, and <clears throat> so, um, but but still, it's, it's, it's everything is being developed still. Um, so there is uh, the first versions of marketplaces out there already, um, but uh, they're not integrating with Marmalade yet, which is which is fine, right? It, it's just the, basically the state of of the ecosystem as we are. Um, and so my personal, my personal feeling about all this is, uh, first you actually need to have a solid foundation in within the ecosystem, and then you can think um, to go, you know, cross chain and, and have like stuff like layer zero hooked up to it. Uh, so this isn't something that we've really looked into um, all that much, um, but but it's, it's definitely on the horizon, right? It's um, but yeah, there's probably it's... other many other things that are coming first, so oracles, uh, sure. any other kind of DeFi infrastructure, and so on. The, you mentioned Marmalade briefly. That's this NFT infrastructure. Um, like it's kind of a meta tagging infrastructure, I guess. Is is that fully released now, or is that still in progress? Uh, no, it's it's uh, so it has been released. Um, so uh, they just haven't made a big buzz out of it, and it's not deployed on all chains of Cadena yet. Um, but uh, the standard is there, and uh, we're also using it. So we're going to be either the or one of the first uh, to launch on it. I'm not sure what the other projects are doing during the rest of this week. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's basically um, the, the the standard that every everything is going to gra gravitate towards. Um, and one of the nice things is, um, so and, and this is something that really sets it apart, is that all the marketplace dynamics um, 
and 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 set rule set and, and so on is actually embedded into the into the smart contract directly, uh, or actually embedded in, in into the standard, right? So, uh, what you have on most other chains is you basically have your uh, marketplace operator be the governor of whatever happens, right? So they take your token uh, that you're putting up for sale. Uh, they're uh, taking this into into escrow. Uh, they're handling the whole payment flow for you, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and they're also sending royalties to the uh, to the original creator. Um, and and this is all fine as, as long as the marketplace uh, plays by plays by the rules. And uh, the cool thing, or one of the good things about uh, this Maulay standard on Cadena is that all these things that I've just mentioned, they're basically uh, or they're, they're fully integrated with um, the, the the token itself. Um, so what a marketplace does in Cardena is a little bit different than uh, what it does in, you know, say the Ethereum space. Yeah, um, the, I think it's, the, it's the, basically the, just a storefront, right? The simple, yeah, the simple way to maybe describe this is like, let's say, for example, um, you have a NFT and it gets sold on an NFT platform for a certain price, let's say for $100. Uh, there's no record of that sale on the NFT in a traditional NFT system. What happens is, is like if you're on OpenSea, for example, that hundred dollars sale will be recorded, but then there will be no re record of that anywhere else, like on another um, uh, on another uh, exchange. So, for example, if I were to sell something on eBay and then it sells later on Craigslist or something like that, the information won't translate from one platform to the other. The difference with Marmalade is that. An NFT sale basically ha can maintain a record of like prices that it was sold for, et cetera, from like uh, exchange to exchange or NFT marketplace uh, to marketplace. And that allows that to be maintained um, on record. And that way, um, theoretically, that's a better value proposition for the NFT owner as opposed to the owner of the marketplace itself. So I think that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, I think, I think it's perfect, perfect description of it. Um, not much to add. <laughs> cool. Um, Midas, did you have any like questions or anything? If you're there, I don't know if you have been. All good, bro. All good. Just wondering, uh, you know, why did you choose Cadena? So um, I, I think there were a few, few reasons that went, went into it. So, so we started tracking, tracking the token after the infamous rise from, uh, I think, 170 to 27. <laughs> which um uh has has done us very well um and uh, so um yeah we, we we were just loosely following what was what was going on and uh so we at some point we read like most of what the what the, what they had out there so so public stuff on you know white paper website everything that you could think of um and we thought that they had a very interesting they, they they took a very interesting spin at certain things, and and Marmalade was was definitely one of those. Um, but also this whole um, like this whole notion around making proof of work scalable that was something uh, we we thought was was extremely interesting. Um, and so just from a like rather um, ob objective standpoint, that we we thought that this chain could have uh, potential well you know be beyond where it was at the time. Um, and, uh, so, so this was one of the reasons why we went in, 
Um, and another one, uh, and, and there was something that we then discovered once we once we got a little bit um, deeper into the ecosystem was um, that there was actually very good communication going on between um, you know whoever had a question um, and and the actual core team of um, of the system, right? So um, quite often you would you would see a seemingly simple question being asked and, and the actual core team members getting getting back to it and, and giving an elaborate explanation. And uh, we thought that this was a very, very good foundation. Um, and so if, if you combine these two, this this in principle made us bullish on, on, on what might be in store for the for the ecosystem going forward. Uh, and at that point we said, well if we're if we're gonna launch a project uh, anywhere, then we basically want this to be a leveraged bet um, on the ecosystem as a whole, um, because you know if you if you're on an ecosystem that is not so far developed, um, and you're able to launch a collection that is reaching you know your OG stand <laughs> OG standard or, or some some connotation around that, um, this would this this would be very favorable for everybody. Um, down the line, you know, so say two, three years going forward, um, basically having having a community and having having a collection that is that is sitting right at the right at the root of um, everything would be would be favorable, right? Um, and I, I think those were the main were the main drivers. And uh, I mean, not just just so that this doesn't go <laughs> unnoticed, but uh, uh, we. We also had basically lots of one-to-one -one discussions going on with with a bunch of people um, before we actually started the project, um, and we had a very positive impression overall. So we mentioned in the beginning that we also spent some time in other ecosystems, and um, I, I don't want to bash any of them, um, but it was certainly such that the Cadena folks were uh, like kind of positive, <laughs> uh, like much much more positive than um maybe some some other we had interactions with and uh, we think that this is a very important foundation um if you want to if you want to move things forward and if you want to uh, launch a project and uh, yeah so so far i mean of course there were some ups and downs uh, and you know some every community eventually has their their uh, <laughs> their their fights and, and battles every few weeks um but like overall we've been we've been very close in in this whole space for like half a year or so um and it's been it's been, it's been extremely positive and this was luckily confirming this initial impression that we had um before we started yeah it's cool um a little maybe like shift gears a little bit but um one thing that made me a little bit uh nervous about the ecosystem was the so the proof of work system, um, the the kind of concern I had was the price of the miners compared to where oftentimes the sort of token price sits. Like, what it, do you guys happen to have some knowledge as far as like what is the token price where like mining is has a decent ROI? Um, the reason I, that this bothered me is because I remember when I was looking for a, a Cadena miner. Uh, of course, this is during more the height, like more of the height of the bull market as far as like price action, and the price of the miners was pretty obnoxiously high, and it didn't make any sense actually 
which, you know, makes me worry about like the growth of the network. Um, like any thoughts on like where mining prices should be for a decent ROI and like, uh, and if this is outside your realm of expertise, I don't want you to make up anything, but I'm just sort of wondering, um, like the, it, it was one of those concerns I had as far as like network growth. Um, is there enough incentive based on the cost of the miners for a large scale network growth to happen? Yeah, so I, I really can't comment on on break even and, and stuff like this and payback periods uh, because just like you just said, um, the first time I saw the prices for miners, I basically closed this chapter for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm 100 with you. Of course, it's it's somewhat prohibitive. Um, I, I think what's what you what you saw, especially towards towards the end of last year, was um, the simple fact that uh, mining companies were adjusting to prices, and, and basically they were skimming off most of the most of the rent uh, for themselves, right? And I mean, they've got every reason to do so. Uh, yeah, but I think this wasn't wasn't exclusive to Cadena. It was was also quite prominent in other ecosystems, maybe except for um, Ethereum, where it was pretty clear that you know they were basically gonna, basically going to get uh, get taken out. Um, soon right yeah uh, i mean this, this has been kind of a, this has kind of been like an achilles heel to growth in a sense because when the prices are high and when like m many people are coming into the space to sort of get involved it's exactly the moment where you're going to have the most attention and simultaneously it's the same moment where the minor mining costs are the highest i mean sorry the minor um equipment costs are the highest because the companies themselves are basically uh, centralized enough to where like the mining devices are like you know they're, they're charging a high amount of money for them right up front and yeah. puts all of the risk on you the miner essentially which which did bother me about um about this and oh here rick is here he might have a little bit more comments on this but yeah it, it's just uh, just a question of like for people that are not so familiar with this like what does it mean for the ecosystem and its growth and everything um no oh, hey rick how are you doing hey how's it going maybe you can comment um nice to uh chat with you i don't want to turn this into a, a mining discussion but i did want to just clarify a couple points i i, I didn't um uh, not so sure because i couldn't hear everything there what uh alpha slayer was saying but um so bitmain just got into the market uh, was that brought up no, not yet. Okay. Uh, maybe you can comment a little bit on what's happening. So yeah, um, Bitmain is the you know the gorilla in the room. They're the biggest manufacturer of ASIC mining equipment, and they just within the last few weeks announced their entry into the Cadena uh, mining market with um, e extremely powerful next-gen um, ASIC miner, uh, the KA3. So. That is 160 something terahashes per second, whereas the previous high water mark was the KDA KD Max from Goldshell, which was about 40 terahashes a second. Um, so almost quadrupling overnight in one machine, and that has really increased the, um, you know, the, the the hashing difficulty of the network, and in <clears throat> um, the when they first sold this equipment just a couple of weeks ago, they were selling it at rock bottom prices, like $5,000 for one ASIC. Um, 
when Gold Shell was selling the 40 terahashes per second for $50,000 six months ago. Uh, well, so like this crazy market disruption. There. Yes, crazy craziness, and and that that's what had to happen. It's and it's going to, it's it's going to purify right the whole market, and it's going to reach equilibrium because that's what basically that's what uh, market factors do. They drive to equilibrium, and and just realize that the it's it's a big picture that is much bigger than just Cadena because. Now that Ethereum moved to proof of stake, a lot of big players that were mining Ethereum, they're looking for the next big thing. Uh, so <clears throat> they're, they're desperate for returns. So they're going to be driving up the price, which they did. Um, after the KA3 launched at like $5,400, I think it's now between ten dollars and $15,000 already in just the couple weeks that they launched it. Because, you know, they're going to, if they sell to uh, somebody in, in, in directly for 5000 <clears throat> they're going to turn, those people that just bought it are going to turn around and sell it for fifteen. So why, why let them get the, the profit, right? Why let the secondary market get the profit when they can? Uh, right. and, and that's just the way the, the world works. I mean, if, if yeah, yes. It's great if Bitmain or Goldshell or somebody sold these miners for less than they are now. But what's going to happen is these people that are desperate for return and desperate to mine uh, new coins, they're just going to, you know, they're going to buy them up for a lot more and willing them, willing to pay more on the secondary market. So it's just the just the way it works. I just wanted to throw those two cents in there. Yeah, the, it's sort of like the the a robust secondary market. One, if the prices are high, it creates like a market for you to sell your miner if you needed to. So it kind of like helps you there. But on the other hand, it drives up the initial price, which um, which makes it harder, in my view, for maybe some of the network growth effects you want to have. So it's an interesting paradox, actually. And it is nice and, because Gold Shell will be selling their quiet in-home miners, and those prices are going to get driven way down to two, three, four, five hundred dollars $500. So you can still participate. You just won't have the big, the big machine, you know? So the, the big machines are going to eat, get eaten up by the big players, and they're going to put them in enormous mining facilities that, that mine on three cents per kilowatt hour electrical cost because they're next to a hydroelectric dam. But then you'll still have the at-home miners that, you know, that gold shell sells and people can buy those. And of course, they're not going to be mining very much KDA, but it's something, right? So. Sure. Uh, back to kind of Slayers, uh, you guys, um, like, so what, uh, from an analysis perspective, like which uh, ecosystems you guys think you're going to focus on as far as, um, you know, projects in what, Ethereum, Avalanche, Solana, Cosmos, uh, Cadena, I guess these are some of the bigger uh, ecosystems where things are happening. Like wh wh where have you guys focused your energies? Yeah, so I think we're, we're going to follow the path that we took with Cadena as well. And uh we will be looking rather at newer ecosystems. So there are some some really interesting projects happening, like uh, LF Zero. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, um, but like, <clears throat> just just uh, like in a similar spirit, uh, we we actually want to discover whole spaces where 
uh, there isn't maybe so much so much attention yet, right? Because there is no need for another Ethereum or Solana newsletter. There, there's plenty. Um, but we think that um, the combination of uh, somewhat underdeveloped ecosystem, well, or rather newer ecosystem, um, plus new projects, this uh, can have um, outsized returns, right? Um, and uh, I mean, especially in I mean, in the bull market, everybody makes makes uh, makes value and is, is uh, smart. Um, but we think that um, basically this this double combination of uh, small projects plus um, new ecosystems is is quite favorable. For for your users, are you going to try to differentiate what um, you guys think is kind of a some kind of a long term permanent unicorn type hold versus something that you're you know you'd look at as like okay, it's a small market cap, it's probably going to go up in value during like a bull market and like we recommend kind of considering selling at this level or something like that, or like what's your, you're going to like differentiate those types of projects or something. So we don't want to become like a trading tip uh, kind of community, right? Where, where you have like uh, 15 shots per day and uh, then some guru who says, well, it's because of this and that line. Uh, and that's, that's what you have to do. Right. I mean, there's definitely a place for this, right. Uh, also like rather long-term. Um, but uh, I think trading-wise, what what we would be focusing on more here is uh, maybe some more advanced strategies, right? So uh, things that you can that you can automate, maybe something in the space of um, hedge liquidity mining, or uh, we 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 did some stuff on delta neutral options trading. Um, and of, of course, this goes goes well beyond what 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 uh, is, is commonly associated with crypto. But this is also one of the reasons why there's profits like this, right? And uh, maybe you don't have your 10x, uh, 10x over a month, um, but uh, you know it's it's uh, it's 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 crafty business, right? And uh, like if you're if you're okay with say 50, 60 percent um, annualized uh, return, then this is like with 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 very little drawdowns and so on. Um, this this can be very profitable. Now, um, the other thing is, um, of course, um, we, we we generally so the, the the two of us we're generally taking rather long term perspective uh, in everything that we do. So we're not we're not particularly nervous on uh, on so you're kind changes. of you're, so you're kind of pointing out like projects or blockchains or whatever that are interesting, but not necessarily trying to imply like some kind of uh, like this is something we ex you ex we recommend buying at this price. It's more of a, um, or or do you plan on having some sort of metrics like maybe you think something is overbought or oversold or something like that? Because uh, obviously there's two elements to these things. It's like okay, this is a neat project, but you know how it is in the bull market. Like mm. a neat project can be way overvalued, and then you can still get crushed pretty badly. Obviously. Um, timing sort of always is relevant, uh, although unpredictable. Um, like, I don't know if you like, yeah, to what depth um, beyond sort of recommending certain projects in your like internal group for Apple Slayers, like, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I guess ultimately, how are people going to use this platform in your vision? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that that very much depends on the on the level of conviction that we have. So uh, there are some some things where you know you you can arrive at the conclusion that the market is is obviously wrong, right? And and then you can build up an argument and say why you think this is, uh, and and this is always this is always fair. Um, but um, 
the other I, I guess the other angle that you can take is um, you you just look at the at the very core of a project, right? So very standard um, standard aspects like like what's the team, what's the tokenomics, and you know are they actually building something that generates revenue, right? Um, and just by applying this filter, um, this can keep people uh, in and out of a trade. So what we don't think we're so good at, uh, or really we don't think that many people are uh, good good at this, is uh, doing this doing this precise timing and saying, well, this is going to make this and that move, right? Uh, so you can have you can have strong convictions on on why something is going to happen. Um, but but like especially in crypto, I mean prices are so volatile um, that it's um, you know it's, it's it's super hard to really really set a price target. Um, and we think that um, most most investors would actually benefit from from much more basic things than just finding the the next ten x right. So uh, they're going to be they're going to be learning about uh, how do you actually construct a portfolio across different. Um, uh, across at least your different different crypto holdings, um, how do you get into like basic uh, basic DeFi trading strategies, uh, things like that? And then of course there is also then then there's plenty uh, plenty of opportunities for uh, these micro cap transactions. But um, this isn't everything that you wanna that, that that you wanna bet on, right? I mean you can obviously, but um, this maybe not the not the best strategy. Uh, yeah, like a lot of a lot of times, what I'm looking for is so if you're talking about um, sort of high risk, high volatile stuff like crypto, you're sort of looking for almost not a 10x really. You're looking for, I think, in the like brief term, you're looking for almost like a hundred x with a pullback to a higher low, which is a 10x, right? So like this idea that yeah. like if you just bought it, you did nothing with it. And over a several year time frame, you could maybe have a massive move to a crazy high, not necessarily try to figure out whether you should sell or not at that high. And then whatever the platform is delivering, it's good enough to maintain like um, at least a, a, a 10x from, you know, even if, if, even if it's like a 90% retracement from the top, you'd like to see your residual value be something like a 10 X that's like a, probably a good metric, I think, generally speaking. Um, so for example, like Luna would be an example. It went like crazy, obviously from like, I don't know, under five bucks, which is where I bought it to like 120 bucks. And then, uh, you know, barring this crash and whatever, like, let's say you didn't have a crash you, you, it had a pullback to like 40 bucks. Right. And then it kind of like headed on upwards again. And yeah, if you sold it at the perfect time, that's great and everything. But had you bought like Luna, for example, at like two to five dollars, and today it's like two fifty, you know, you're not doing too badly, even though the price went all the way up and all the way down. Whereas if you're one of these people that bought at one hundred and twenty dollars, then you know you're notably upset. Um, so like timing and allocation do matter ultimately. And I think, um, f but at the same time, finding those early projects um, that are going to reasonably do like a 20 to 100x and then do a pullback to a 10x is not, um, it's not that easy to figure out which of those, um, like which projects those are. And I think it sounds like that's one of the types of like analysis issues you guys are trying to tackle. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, <clears throat> very. Uh, I, I don't want to to make any claims here that we know which 
tokens are actually going to make it right. So uh, when I when I spoke of uh, con basically the conviction that we have, uh, this is definitely something that you can that you can influence through proper research, right? Of course, there is still very crafty marketers basically selling you all kinds of crap. Um, but um, if you actually dedicate some time to it uh, and, and really, really get to the bottom of a, of a particular project, then you will either discover some red flags um, or your confidence is going to going to grow, right? And thereby, this is actually uh, has, has proven to be a great filter for uh, making making such investments. Uh, and then especially if you're able to track this over time, uh, then, then you can really tell is uh, whether whether or not a team is um, has an execution bias, whether they're meeting meeting whatever whatever commitments they make and, and stuff like this, right? And uh, so all these things are obviously tedious to get going, right? But uh, once you once you kind of have your watch list of of your ten um, projects, right? It's, it's it's rather manageable, right? And uh, so this is this is how you can greatly increase your odds because you're at the pulse of what's actually going on, um, and then you also have a much better chance to enter at the right price, right? And then the alternative strategy to this is obviously to make a little bit more shadow research. Uh, and then to use the spray and pray, right? So you take a you take a thousand dollars and you you put a hundred into into each, right? And and you start thinking about it. You put your you put some automated um, order at wherever you want, right? To to take some actually some, some profits and actually in, at the bottom of the market in twenty twenty, spray and pray worked really really well. Like if you mm -hmm. bought like if you bought like a a thousand bucks of like um, the top maybe one hundred to 400 coin or something like that, you know, you'd be extraordinarily wealthy um, um, as, as having done that, actually. It's weird, like, um, it's, it's, I think to, to a large extent, what people assume in markets, whether it's the stocks or whether it's crypto or whatever, that the price going up is a, is a social referendum on its quality of the project, which is interesting. Um, and that obviously is in crypto in particular is not necessarily the case. So what happens is, is you'll say, okay, I bought X coin for like, you know, $10. <clears throat> it's price went up to $20. That must mean it's a really good project because all these other people are buying it. And then you'll think to yourself, wait, maybe I missed the boat or something like that. And then of course it'll hit, uh, it'll go from like $20 to 50. And you're like, oh shit! Like I must have uh, really missed something on this one. Like the, the the crowd clearly knows what they're doing. They're probably doing their research. Blah blah blah. Right? The presumption is that like price going up is actually equivalent to research, um, and that that's that's a good reason why it'll keep going up. And um, to some degree, it's true. Obviously, like you know, things would have no utility of whatsoever that are not interesting. Maybe nobody buys them for that reason or maybe they're just like hidden gems who knows but um yeah there's there's sort of like, like this idea that if price goes up then team must be doing something correct and if it doesn't um you'll have a lot of coping mechanisms people say oh like it's just early or maybe uh it, there's just not enough attention yet and in the future people are going to know about this and then my stuff's going to go up so i think the thing is it's really hard to tell where people are getting their conviction from like you know, is it because a lot of YouTube videos being produced? Is it because you are using the platform for something useful? Um, is it because there's revenue being demonstrated? Um, I, I think a lot of people have a hard time with this idea of um, like, 
why do I have more conviction in this thing? And is that a bad thing? Should I be buying more of this thing? Or should I be buying less of it or what? It's it's a really tricky thing. And I think um, the vast majority of people, um, anybody who's bought anything too high, quote unquote, like um, has noticed it's easy to make this mistake. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really true. Like, I don't think necessarily sometimes finding good alpha is the question. Um, it's how much to allocate, how much time is reasonable to wait. Um, is I think the part that most people get confused about or, or any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, so you, you had on a few very critical points and I think one or two, two more points I would, I would add is, uh, first is that the, the last thing that you've mentioned, I think is the thing that is mostly the, the most underrated, <laughs> um, aspect in, in trading, right? So, so proper risk management, proper allocation and, it's it's supposed to be so straightforward uh, and, and everybody's supposed to know it, but but most people still don't follow it, right? So they jump on some kind of narrative and then all of a sudden they're 100% invested into uh, into this particular coin. Um, but this is, of course, what you don't want, right? <laughs> so you don't want want to follow just a, just a simple... I think, um, I think that's because yeah. it's hard to keep up with 10 or 20 different things. I exactly. think people's attention is narrow and this is the reason why they tend to get hyper invested into one ecosystem it's hard to keep up even with one or two or three right it it certainly is but but still this is no excuse right so if you if if you always manage to take a step back and you think about okay so what is what is the portfolio that i have and uh, like how do i actually want want it to be balanced um then uh, of course you can have one one darling but uh, this isn't what you what what you do as you know as a as a rational investor right that that wants to maximize uh, risk-adjusted returns, um, and I think the other thing that, uh, like a like a major flaw that um, that that I think we we all fall uh, victim to is uh, that we have uh, that, that we basically look at uh, risk um, and opportunity in in reverse, right? So when prices are high, people are feeling confident, and you know they they want to get in, but this is the opposite that you want to do, right? Uh, if a price is high, this is or is is at the all time high. Uh, this is the maximum risk um, that that you can have, right? Whereas uh, when you're when you're nearing a bottom, uh, it's it's fairly safe to do, right? But humanity or humans work in such a way that uh, it's, it's it's basically complete the complete opposite um, decisions that we intuitively want to make. And um, I mean, there's no simple recipe for this, right? But it's basically just uh, you know re- re- repeating these principles and. Um, yeah, basically making making yourself aware of of the certain biases that that, that we all are suffering from. Uh, I don't know if uh, maybe Kingslayer wants to add something to that, or you want to move the discussion elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sure. No, no, I, I just wanted to ask uh, Sefi, uh, where or how are you playing like the the current market? Are you because you talked about timing as well, and uh, how, how yeah. long is like a good time? Good time to wait, and currently, obviously, things are things are going sideways. Maybe, maybe long term down, down, down trending, but uh, nobody really knows when like an actual bottom is reached. But as we've like, seen in the past, it probably also makes sense to maybe DCA into projects over over a bear market, and that can potentially lead to, lead to some 
like enormous enormous returns but yeah maybe maybe well, explain how you're playing it yeah one way i look at this situation is okay like um you have a tremendous amount of uh global bear sentiment so you know what that can do is that can create oversold conditions relatively quickly and seller exhaustion relatively quickly and you know there is this possibility that's at least in just markets in general you get a sharp you know bounce sort of like what happened with the the covid scenario but there's this tendency for markets not to repeat the same thing each time like so it's it's um it, you know you know it's, it almost seems too easy I suspect because like the cope, the stock market and crypto recovery after the COVID dump, like what was that in uh, I think 2000, I believe um, the, the, that was like a really rapid um, kind of capitulation move. And then everything started moving up afterwards. Um, you could argue that that's already happened the last few months in crypto. It's possible, but with the, everything being so bearish, I think there's going to be a tendency for, um, people to look for double or even triple bottoms in the market. Um, and when you see double and triple bottoms, that usually will play out over a period of almost a year because it takes quite a while for the long moving averages, like 200-day moving averages, to flatten out. Um, <clears throat> so you have this tendency to – it just takes a lot of time because um, people, the smart money is not going to jump in until like usually a couple of things happens, like 200-day moving average for your coin or whatever flattens. Uh, and on top of that, maybe a capitulation event. So you have like your flat and then, you know, a dump and then everyone jumps in. Um, so I don't think we're there yet. Um, even some of the stronger coins, like let's say Adam uh, still hasn't flattened his 200 day moving average. If I had to guesstimate, even at current price, that would take almost three to four more months. It just looking at, you know, eyeballing it. And then, you know, some capitulation events happening in between there would not be unremarkable at all and i think this is generally true like if you look at bitcoin it, it had it hit a bottom and then it's attempting to like find that again what also has to usually happen is in these in crypto markets uh, what's been happening very consistently is something a price will test a prior low and then it will fall below that low because so many people are taking leveraged long positions at those exactly at the most obvious locations so when that happens you get a cascading series of liquidations that drop prices another 10 percent below that so i think the value uh investor whether it's stocks or um in uh, crypto right now should be looking for a retest of the the absolute bottom of whatever you you bought and um if you have a price at around that level and then maybe even below um you know that's probably a good place to hop in like for example um, I, I think some of even the in the stock market, some of the really big brand names um, like your Apples and Googles or whatever have um, sort of like are they're doing this. And I think uh, like really, really life changing buys will happen for a lot of people if they're if they're lucky and if they have capital. Um, as far as like Bitcoin's concerned, you know, it, I think depending on who you ask and what the price to mine is. It's somewhere in the you know ten thousand to twenty five thousand dollar range, depending on where you are. And I think um, like hash rate has already started to pick up. Um, like hash rate capitulation has already occurred in the in the Bitcoin space. So uh, you know, and then the number of like individual wallets that own one Bitcoin, I think, is at record or something. 
Um, so there's been a fair amount of distribution and such. Um, uh, so in Bitcoin, for example, would I be comfortable buying a Bitcoin today? Probably. Um, would I be <clears throat> saying that I'm going to go all in at this mo moment? Probably not because there's so many like good deals in the market emerging. So there's no reason necessarily to sort of go all in on anything. Um, looking at like Cadena is a good example. I mean, I think it had a very profound retracement from its top. Um, the fact that its top was as, that high is a good sign just because like it means there's a lot of attention. Um, so it, it, you know, Cadena might be a, a reasonable choice at these price levels and below. Um, but I, I have a general principle anyway, and that is that if I am going to buy something today, um, like I bought some, like a couple of days ago, I picked up, I think Apple and Tesla stock as they took a beating. If I'm going to get these things, then I'm only going to buy again. Um, I'm going to set aside money to buy double that amount. If the price drops another 10% below that. And maybe 4x my original amount if it drops another 10% below that. So I, I tend to leave a lot of capital on the side for being aggressive um, on the way down. So like I usually want to have a geometric exponential capability on the way down, not uh, use up all my money. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes makes total sense. And uh, I mean, like no, nobody really knows where we are right now, but at least you can already see that there's also like even in the so to say traditional world or in the startup world even with uh, facebook and google there's a lot of kind of healing in the market happening like they actually laying off a lot of people people have to get back to back to the office and uh, don't don't really like it right because they actually have to show that they are making making some money and kind of turning turning into cash cows right now and we see like a lot of like over variation kind of like vanishing from the markets but i think yeah nobody can really say if there's like more capitulation events going to happen and uh yeah even bigger macro events could happen in this situation and uh yeah then there might be new lows coming and yeah, obviously, because it's always good to have some capital on the side, right? <laughs> yeah, and the crypto market, a way to look at it is this, like, so um, everyone's looking for the market to quote unquote bottom out. So bottoming out, if you talk about just the price becoming flat for a period of time, like the last few months, um, people are sort of looking for that. But here's the thing. Um, that's also the place when people figured, oh, look, it's bottomed out that's when people start taking leverage long positions. And as those positions builds up, it um, creates a scenario exactly for a long squeeze, essentially, where if prices trickle down in the wrong direction, and a lot of people think this is manipulation or some other bullshit, but it's not usually. It's simply just a pileup of liquid of longs that are sitting there. And if the price just happens to hit it, then it really hits hard because everyone's putting their long positions in for the same reasons they look use the volume profile or they're using like the um i don't know the the whatever they're using like to, you know their little supply um you know kind of like distribution kind of models whatever it is the point is like everyone puts their longs at very similar places and uh, that leads to this um kind of deep wicks that happen with liquidations and i think uh anytime in crypto you see like a big drop like you know um a rapid wick down of like you know 
you know, 20 to 50%, it's usually buy time. <laughs> like that's generally the case. It's, it's a real clear indication that the, the, the leverage positions have been destroyed. And now it's a time for me to get some spot, essentially. It's what I usually do. Understood. And in what kind of ecosystems are you in at the moment? Like, what, what are you focusing your attention on? I saw that you talk a lot about the Cosmos ecosystem. I think there, there were some comments about Kujira going on, who are yeah. doing an amazing job and like rolling out their own, own DeFi ecosystem, so to say. And you also talked about Luna 2. Is there any updates that you have on those? Yeah. Um, so Kajira is up and running. It's a liquidation engine uh, to uh, that you can bid on liquidation. So if, let's say you want Atom, um, you can bid on sort of leverage liquidations um, and get. You can. It's a really nice platform to be able to buy coins at discount, even lower than what you might um, get by simply putting a limit order in. Um, so it's a kind of a cool system. I think it's very, very useful. Um, the Kujira token is its yield is only based on revenue. So there's not an inflationary yield component. So that's kind of interesting. That means its yields only like one plus percent, but like it's, uh, it's kind of a sustainable yield is what they're going for. So that's an example of a cosmos chain. Um, Luna Terra two has about, I don't know, 40 to 50, uh, projects that are either redeploying or freshly deploying. Um, there's a lot of wallets out there, so it doesn't take much to move the price upwards. Its market cap is really small right now. So while you know people are in the doldrums and selling pressure is at its maximum, so you wind up with um, um, like uh, you might find good prices. But the thing about Terra Two is there's a lot of vesting tokens from the airdrop from the crash that won't um you know really start releasing till next year and by late next year i think will be a good time to consider um consider buying into that one um what else uh the atom token of course has a huge change plan for tokenomics um we're kind of trying to hash out some governance details as far as how that might work but it involves um, lots of different new utilities for the Atom token that we probably don't need to worth getting into right now, but also um, creating um, like kind of a, a war chest or treasury to spur on development um, and bring in new, new blood. So a lot of interesting things happening there. And obviously the Cosmos people are um, wickedly smart. Um, a lot of good people there. Um, and uh, they've credibly delivered from, you know, from 2019 onwards. I'm sorry, 2017 onwards, really, um, have, have credibly delivered um, functioning products, which is good. Um, so that's made Cosmos and Interblockchain, you know, really the, one of the biggest ecosystems outside of Ethereum at this point. Um, I think, uh, and there's also a variety of new chains coming, Celestia, SEI and others which might represent really really good like early opportunities um meaning that you can get in you know like either right at listing or pre-listing and things like that so um that's that's uh you know there's a lot of excitement there there's obviously lots of dApps and things that are going to be opening up um some of which are you know half decent investments some of which are you know heavily centralized as far as like token distributions and stuff um, so I think a lot, anything that's like a DAP, like, um, not its own layer one, 
I think your allocations should be relatively small. Like if people want to gamble on those things, it's fine. But they're not heavily favored in terms of the new investor generally, because a lot of team tokens can result in like significant drops in price as those teams sell for revenue or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a tremendous amount of stuff coming to Cosmos. I'm curious too, like it'd be it'd be actually a really nice thing if, for example, um, Cadena, uh, as an example, adopts IBC. I think Near is doing that, Near Protocol. So this makes it a lot easier to move um, assets cross chain because you don't need a bridge. It's basically an interchain communication, like TCP/IP is for the internet. And um, like, for example, take, for example, your project with IBC, you would fairly readily be able to list, say, for example, one of your NFTs on, I don't know, like a a Terra NFT marketplace, or you'd be able to list it on, um, you know, a Juno or something like that. So you'd have the ability to do a lot more interesting cross-chain assets. So that's, I think, the value proposition long-term for Cosmos. is scaling through infinite numbers of blockchains as opposed to scaling via like Cadena's methodology, which is like um, uh, a graph theory kind of blockchain theory. Um, so yeah, each of I, I think uh, each of these uh, kind of new ecosystems is providing a tremendous amount of variety and like depending on what you need um, out of a blockchain, you want decentralization, you don't mind centralization. Do you want like speed? Do you want security? I think depending on what the like project needs, I think each blockchain is going to have um, like special features that will that will be good for certain projects. Like for example, Marmalade is like super interesting and one of the better um, ideas as far as like NFT platforms. So I think some of the things that Marmalade has created. Um, I think it is like, I think a lot of that will be copied sort of by other people because it is a really good idea. Um, and I think it's the way to go. Like, I think it's the correct way to implement NFTs. Um, and you like, once it's, I think some of these things, once they're created, they seem super intuitive and super, um, like, you know, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like, you know, after the fact that it's supposed to be that way, just because it makes sense. Um, and I think Marmalade is a good example of that. So for an NFT project, um, you know, opening up now, like it does make a lot of sense. What I, th- I think the downside right now to Cadena is I think that it, it really needs to, it's going to be great to be able to use or move your assets, um, between things like Cosmos or Ethereum, et cetera. So this cross chain thesis, um, especially for NFTs. Um, I think is interesting just because you want to be able to access cross-chain liquidity. Ultimately, you don't want to have to like simultaneously market the fact that you're an NFT project and have to market your blockchain that you belong on. Right. Like for example, like if Adobe wants to build um, like software for um, like iOS or Google Android, it doesn't want to also have to promo the freaking ecosystem of Apple or Google, right? They want to promo their own brand and they want to be able to have their product on any platform that is sufficiently large enough and has enough business on it. Right. And I think that um, reality doesn't change just because blockchains in play. I think companies that are producing projects really want 
to be able to deploy where money and users actually are. And I think that's an important feature of Cosmos specifically that allows people to do that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you. you. You're making some interesting points. Um, in terms of NFTs, have you have you like ever ever looked into some projects? And are you are you holding NFTs or is that a little bit? Not really of your interest. A little bit. I um, yeah. so I, I I know enough about them. I, I've not been like a collector, but then at the same time, I haven't been a collector of like lots of different collectibles in the universe. Some people are like more into that collector mentality. I'm, I don't tend to be one of those as a collector. And a lot of, of course, the PFP NFTs and everything were all about collectibles and, you know, flexing, you know, your, 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 whatever, <laughs> like your, your board ape or whatever the hell. Um, the, uh, I, I think uh, NFTs are really, really interesting. Um, I think there's, you know, being an old school gamer, I think there's a lot of things that were learned in gaming that um, and some of which can be applied to NFT, some of which can be applied to crypto at large. Um, but uh, and then I've I've got a few random ones here and there that people gifted me and stuff like that. But um, but I'm not like a mega buyer. I think the largest stake I have in an NFT project right now is Stargaze, I think. Where I've essentially gotten a bunch of Stargaze tokens, I staked them there and then I use my Stargaze yield or whatever to buy NFTs on that platform. It's basically a blockchain uh, dedicated NFTs. Um, the entire blockchain is just NFTs only. Um, but uh, yeah, outside of that, um, uh, I've mostly just been kind of more superficially involved on the NFT side, I would say. Certainly no expert at it. Gotcha. Yeah, we, we also have a customized one for you. So we will be able to to send it to you. Oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> provide like an, <laughs> an ex-wallet address to us. And yeah, maybe maybe to to close things off. Um, how do you oh how do you see the role of Doke One and and Luna Two? <laughs> Actually, um, <laughs> Bruce and I uh, he was here with the little lion pick earlier. <laughs> like he and I are actually going to chat with Doe a little bit um, and do kind of a like hopefully a fun spaces with him. <laughs> he agreed to kind of do something. We'll, we'll see if we can set something up. But um, I think well, first of all, he's he and his team are still building things on uh for terra 2 uh, i think there's going to be a suite of different dApps and things that are going to be released um and it's kind of sort of hush hush a lot of that's going to be released over hopefully the next six months or so on terra in general there's about 40 or 50 projects like i said i'm on the terra emergency fund allocation council where um, I was voted to be one of the community members to distribute funds from the community war chest to um, like projects in order to like do their development. Um, so we have quite a few projects there that we're reviewing and many of them which are executing and therefore continue to receive funds from that. Um, that has nothing to do with what TFL is doing. I think TFL, um, some of their teams and stuff that are still building and all are doing things. Um, like contrary to popular belief, he's not in prison or some bullshit. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually um, of the opinion um, that, uh, and again, you'll have a lot of different opinions on this, but I'm actually of the opinion that like, you know, Doe has always clearly stated what the risks of Terra were um, that, you know, it's going to be like a all or nothing deal where either it's going to be really, really great or it's going to, you know, devolve into oblivion. And um, like he made that always very, very clear. I think uh, 
uh, he and uh, the people at TFL largely are, are credible uh, in terms of building. They create lots of cool shit. And like any, any project in DeFi um, like, or in crypto space, you can have things go to quote unquote zero or whatever. Um, but I think uh, Terra V2, it's a fully functioning Cosmwasm blockchain at this point. Um, it has a fully functioning set of wallets with Terra Station. Like everything about it is set to really do, I think, long-term okay. Um, I think the tokenomics right now where a lot of people got their airdrops and they're vesting over the next year or two, um, that's where I think price action is going to be affected. But as far as um, like if if a lot of useful dApps get released by a TFL for the new new chain, um, you know how this goes. Like it's with sufficient narratives comes capital, and um, I think it's not difficult at all for um, you know Luna to do kind of a 10x over the over a period of a couple of years or whatever. I don't think that's out of the question at all. It's actually fairly readily possible considering we were able to make Luna Classics price go up like 10x <laughs> or 100, or actually more than 10x, it's more like 100x. So it's, if you can do that with a, you know, like, you know, <laughs> you can do that with a, essentially what we turned into a meme chain, um, then you can do it with a credible chain just as easily. It's just about creating narrative. And, um, you know, like the, the way, the way the internet works is like, you have to have a story worth telling. And if you have a story worth telling, uh, you have a story worth spreading. And if people resonate with that vibe or whatever, then they will, um, you know, it's like basically decentralized shilling is what ends up happening. And um, when price goes up, like price is a meme. So if once you do even a little bit of price action, like all of a sudden people want to jump in and they throw leverage at it and do all sorts of shit. So it's not that difficult to take a fully functioning chain like Terra 2 and if there are some narratives that come out of TFL, there's narratives that come out of Doe and other people, um, you, can, you can have definitely a, like a rise from the ashes story quite readily. Um, not hard at all. Actually, it's easier for um, like Terra 2 to do well financially compared to even like Juno or some of the other chains out there. Just because there's so many wallets and the community is so large and there's so many developers that already know how to build on it so yeah it's a uh, I, I wouldn't uh i wouldn't underestimate it necessarily and for full disclosure i have a sizable chunk of luna airdrop <laughs> sitting in my wallet so i am hoping uh builders build and things go well so i i don't mind helping in the background to make sure that happens um to the best of my ability so it's just part of being a community member i guess yeah that's a that's an interesting perspective on it and I can say for my for my part that I'm also always been a firm believer that he's like a good guy and he's got this execution bias, right? And like always like super eager to to build stuff. And yeah, he's he's got a lot lot of fat on him or against his side, really. And um, yeah, probably probably going to be able to yeah, build another. <laughs> you know how this stuff you know, yeah. you know how this stuff works, though. It's like the in a year like the new users of the platform won't be the people that were there before um all the almost all the luna classic wallets are all new like <laughs> there's a lot of new people um so it it again with a with a reasonable narrative um there is no such thing as like 
it's kind of like killing the project in a sense. It could be brought back to importance pretty quickly. Um, so I think uh, it's generally up to the community at that point to make it what it's going to be. And if a lot of people are building and spreading the word or whatever, and it's a functioning chain, um, you'd be surprised. Uh, it doesn't take much to to move things. On the other hand, the 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 other the flip side to that is over the next like three years, let's say, um, it's really, really easy to spin up a Cosmos blockchain, <laughs> like relatively speaking, right? If you have a project, it's worthwhile. You have a group of validators that are willing to validate for you. And they believe that there's enough financial incentive in your particular project that they're going to make money. Um, or like now on Cosmos, you can actually spin up uh, um, in after January, you should be able to spin up a, like a daughter chain or, a, or a, a, what do you call it? A consumer chain is what they're calling it uh, using the Cosmos hub validators. So technically, like you could be an NFT project, for example, and spin up a brand new chain at the you know, flip of a switch. The only difference would be that like transactions on your chain would uh, some percentage of them would go to the um, the, the validator network um, that you're sort of like renting from. So the the flip side to the argument that like layer ones will do well is that it's going to be so easy to spin up a layer one. You have to ask yourself, like you now have like commoditized layer ones to be almost like anybody could, your, your grandmother could spin one up. So now what? Like, why would one chain be better than the other? And at the end of the day, if like technologically, there's so many similarities, like the, the, the differentiating factor is just simply going to be how much attention and community you can build. And that's about it. Like, because the chain, the technological aspect of the chains themselves, I think will be lost on most people. Like no one's going to care. And that's the thing. Like you don't care what tech is inside your iPhone. You just want it to work, right? So, you know, I, I think most people have no clue how their iOS works or Swift or whatever programming languages or, you know, your, your platform is built on. All those nuances get lost when you talk about mass adoption. Um, so that's the, that would be the bear case for many chains is that um, like blockchains become commodities. You have users that have no clue what the difference between the different ones are. And they're there purely for the application. And um and maybe the layer ones don't matter as much. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting perspective as well. And uh, but you, I think you also have to have to consider that there is like different different types of communities, right? Like the the Luna Classic community is definitely a different one than the the one back in back in the days when Luna was still thriving. And uh, yeah, like the the, ner the nerds versus the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly did you did you get liquidated on on anchor or did you mostly stake your stake your luna token i i actually got a little bit luckier than most people in that situation <laughs> what happened was i had um a relatively like small amount of my money that i borrowed off of as far as luna on anchor so i was actually able to during the crash and everything i was able to sort of pay off my loan and i was able to uh, exit and and sell um like once it was clear that like it wasn't possible to repeg ust i was like all right like yeah had i decided much much sooner to sell that would have been better but like i was kind of holding out to see and then um so i i lost a lot of my valuation because i maybe i waited too long but at the same time 
Um, I had a significant portion of mine in PRISM protocol, which is essentially liquid stake Luna. So it was still like the market was still, it was still possible to sell. Um, but it was at a, like a 10% or more loss because of the, the slippage on the AMM. So I was able to exit um, and I was able to sort of like get back um, to some, you know, I, I was able to basically get back a substantial portion, um, not only of my initial uh, amount, but, but then some. So I didn't do as bad as a lot of people. Like a lot of people had like just straight staked you know, Luna or something. And all they could do is watch their money go down in value when that crash happened. So that was kind of tragic. And then I got somewhat fortunate in that, um, like, right around the time that I was sort of doing all this, it was announced that like the, that this, remember the snapshot for the airdrop for Luna Terra 2? Um, That snapshot was done at the DPEG date, I believe. Whereas a lot of the things I was able to sell was after DPEG. So I actually got the airdrop also, which is kind of, you know, nice in my particular case. Um, so that helped as well in terms of, um, so I still have a chunk of Luna on Terra 2 and I have it staked and, and whatever. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing as bad as some yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what happened, happened to me as well. But I was on the... Let's say on the <laughs> extreme Degen side, I was uh, almost fully, uh, fully active at Anchor, and uh, yeah, I, I, I actively, they... I actively preached many, many times. Like you know, you really should only leverage a little bit of it. Um, yeah, like, but so what, I only leverage maybe twenty percent of my Luna. What they did was uh, they airdropped you literally all the tokens you had staked in, in Anchor afterwards, even though, because they did it on the DPEG day, right? And uh, Yeah, that's true. That's, so I kind of like basically sold my Luna for like the price where I got liquidated. And uh, I think that was like kind of like the, the lucky, lucky portion of it. But in the end, yeah, still, still hurts. And uh, <laughs> Is yeah, but I think I think it's, I think it's reasonable that we could probably get a sustained price of Luna probably at about ten bucks or more. I think ten to twenty is actually feasible um, as a fully functioning chain. Um, uh, but that that assumes, of course, that um, you know new projects come to build on it. So it's usually like a snowball effect. If the more developers there are, the more developers that will come. The more liquidity there is, the more DApps will show up the more users will show up. It's like a, it's like a chain reaction. So it really depends, I think. And I, I think some people worry about the negative PR in a way, like, because, well, you know, oh, these people, you know, crash, you know, they, <laughs> it crashed and a bunch of people lost their money. Therefore, these are bad people. Um, this kind of idea. So yeah, is it bad that there's like baggage there, you know, as far as like the reputational um, negative baggage or whatever, I suppose. <clears throat> But on the other hand, it's like it's the internet, and the thing is, like it's almost like you know, no, like any uh, PR is good PR or something. Like, you know, attention is hard to get, and you have a lot of people that whose attention is available. Like for example, even now, if I post like a Luna chart, it's like you'll get a hundred plus likes and a bunch of retweets and shit. So clearly, people want Luna to go up, no question about it, and they're paying attention. And it's these same people that will go throw more money at this when they think that price is going to go up, right? So it's like it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy to some extent. 
that you have a bunch of captive audience. They're definitely watching. They have a wallet. They know exactly where to go buy Luna. And there's just not a lot of barrier to entry in terms of like friction at that point. Um, and, and people will, will jump back on as soon as they see that things are being built. And like right now, like I posted today, a whole laundry list of projects that are, that are, um, you know, that are active or being built or either opening soon or already open. And a lot of people don't realize that there's that many there, right? Like, it's like, it's very public knowledge too, by the way, it's not like, um, it's not like there's this secret, you know, thing, the public just shows up really, really late. They'll come in after all of these projects. You can imagine if there's 40 to 50 projects, right? They're all going to be shilling Terra. They're all going to be shilling their, their particular project. They're going to be on YouTube and whatever the hell. And um, the whole cycle just starts all over again, right? And, and there's, uh, there's this misconception that it has to be only old users or pre prior, prior crypto users. No, like the Luna Classic community shows you clearly that tons of brand new people just show up out of the blue after watching a YouTube video or whatever. There is no need to assume that like the negative baggage will automatically crater your ecosystem. Like remember when the, when the DAO hack for Ethereum kind of like <laughs> crushed the shit out of Ethereum and here they are again, right? So if it's a functioning chain, I wouldn't necessarily assume that it's all a loss. <laughs> Things can be brought back. Yes, I, I think that's that's an excellent way to round this out. Um, <clears throat> so um, before we close, I just wanted to wanted to thank you for joining us uh, and sharing some of your some of your insights. Uh, we've been we've been fans of uh, your spaces uh, for a while, and uh, so yeah, amazed to have you with us finally. <laughs> and that's cool. uh, yeah, thanks for that. To, to everybody else, uh, also thanks a lot for for showing up and uh, spending some time with us. Uh, I think we went greatly over time, but uh, for me personally, uh, it was definitely worth it. And uh, hope for you too. Um, yeah, unless uh, unless there are any immediate questions um, or any in, anything else from from the listeners right now, um, I guess uh, Sefi, uh, anything anything else you would like to add? Um, or something we we should mention, uh, or something that's no, certainly in mind. <laughs> no, certainly these guys um, did an interesting project. Check out their stuff. Um, uh, I don't have any like financial relationship with these guys or anything. They just kind of asked me to hop on and have some fun for the evening. So um, you know, yeah, check out their project, and it's on Cadeno with, uh, um, and uh, it's like basically an NFT project with kind of access to uh, their analysis in terms of new projects and crypto and things like that. So it's almost like I, I look at it kind of as a membership to a club and, uh, and uh, I, I wouldn't worry so much about speculating on the thing as much as uh, maybe if you got, if you like these guys, you want to kind of hang out with their, their team as far as like, you know, uh, getting some alpha from them and stuff. It's literally why they're called alpha slayers, I guess. <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, yep. hopefully they provide years of enjoyment. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the Chepe and Alpha Slayers Club AMA recorded on Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep your hands off when the play is a bust. 
plain old and just So we keep it on the one Blast off on the two Help me see the three Third eye open wide Checking out the scene Laser beam focused Starscream jokers Living off the fat of the people they approach Tell me what happens when the land fights back With the cliffs at our backs Make the last stand matter No one ever planned for the famine on deck We was walking all erect with the dead man's swagger Sitting in a little den vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next Bubba-Billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next Bubba-Billion Little den vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze trying to make the next No one gave a shit till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter we was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal he just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime till the night curfew Rats in a cage till they make time to murk you Got a little job that falls under my purview We gotta get this mob away from the Birds do. Gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop, ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth, slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement, could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Channel Spaces